0: Christmas is coming fast and <clears throat> furious, and uh, Brad sort of got us off to such a good foot last week, just thinking about this whole day of Advent and the whole idea of embracing Christ in the midst of Christmas. I love being able to watch the talk in the middle of the week last week. We were away, and just in my own heart, realizing how much ground I've got to cover still to get Christmas right. It's the like, it's the biggest train wreck coming for most people, you know, and a uh, few of you are on that one end. Uh, Brad was talking about the people who already got their gifts wrapped in September and had the tree up in October, and you've already planned your holiday meal, and you've already been shopping for the, the probably got the honey-baked ham ordered already. How many of you have already ordered online just to save going to the honey-baked ham place? You've already ordered your ham. Anybody? Show of hands. <clears throat> Come on, I know there's a planner out there. It's got to be one of you. You're like, I'm not admitting to anything right now. I don't know where you're going with this. And then others of you are like, I cannot believe it's two weeks to Christmas. I've got, I haven't bought the first present. I don't have a clue about anything that's happening. Our family plans, I'm hoping somebody else worked those out. I'm just trying to ride it out and get there I was so frustrated, you know, when you let Brad loose, uh, he just does these crazy things. And he showed a photo of our house, which really frustrated <laughs> Shelly and me, because you, you build a certain level of trust with someone that you spend as much time with as I do Brad. And he kind of tried to come back at the end and say it really wasn't our house, but it really was our house. And so I was frustrated by that. It took me about uh, three weeks to get all the, uh, the various uh, items out in the yard. And um, the electric bill is enormous this time of year, but we love it and our neighbors love it more than that. And uh, you're like, is that really your house? Yeah, that's our house. That's the way we roll, man. We just, as much as you can get out there, blow it up as big as you can. That's the way we do it around the Giglio house every year. There's more in the backyard that you didn't see. And we've actually got some blow-up things inside the house, actually, that are pretty cool as well. No, that's not our house, because at our house, uh, we're not quite there yet. Some of you are ahead of us, some of you are behind us, some of you, you know, when you drive in your neighborhood, the pressure builds, right? Because that one family, oh, look, they've got their wreaths up, honey. <laughs> do you notice that, guys, when you came in? And then when you went back out, she said it again, oh, look, they've got their lights up. Oh, they've got a tree already. And you're like, ugh, hate those neighbors, you know? <laughs> Apparently, they're unemployed, you know, and they've got a lot more time than I do. That's what you were thinking, driving out. Um... But it just depends on where you are. Brad showed that picture of our house. So I always show a picture of him and Brittany's house. Um, That's him and Brittany's house right there on the left. Lovely place, by the way. Newly newly married, and we thought it was fantastic. This is us on the right over here. (laughs) That's Shelly's truck. And... um, this is, this is really the picture, isn't it? It's either you have it or you don't. You're either on it or you're not. You either got the decorations out or you're like, you're thinking at this point, maybe we just don't get them out. You know, maybe something could happen, we could just get by without getting them out. Or maybe you've got the neighbor with all the blow-up stuff and the easiest thing and the most financially responsible thing to do is just to get a small sign and say, over there. I mean, check it out. They apparently have got more time, energy, and love for the season than we do. So ditto to what they're doing. And somewhere in between both those extremes is all of us. And somewhere in between that is where we're going to live out and walk out, not just the next two weeks, but probably the next three weeks till the end of the holiday season passes by. And if this morning, if there's one thing that I'm praying for It's that through all of that, something simple can happen today. It'd be a real tragedy if we get into this whole Advent journey together and something simple and powerful doesn't happen to you. And I'm not talking about simple and powerful that you remember that it's all about Christ. I'm not talking simple and powerful that at some point you go, oh, wow, this really is all about Jesus. I mean something simple and powerful that the message of what happened at Christmas, and the reality of that message even today would really turn something upside down in your heart. Because the truth is we're, we're waiting. That's what Advent is about. It's waiting. It's, a, it's expectation. It's celebrating it, that Christ did come, but it's also expecting that He's going to come again. It's, it's that looking forward to the promise of God so that we don't get bogged down, not in just like three weeks of crazy or two months of crazy, but in a whole world of crazy. You know, we talk about the, the Black Friday or, or whatever that, I th- they call Black Friday for a reason. Um, it's really a scary day, and I don't know where it came from. I wish it would go away. I'm a traditionalist, and I, the last thing I wanna do on the morning after Thanksgiving is go to Walmart. I can't think of anything less I would like to do on the morning after Thanksgiving than go to Walmart. I don't need to go at midnight. I don't wanna go at 2 a.m. I don't wanna go at, at three in the afternoon. Close the store for crying out loud. Let the people have a turkey, and let's all celebrate the fact that the pilgrims came. Can we just do that? I mean, that'd be fantastic. Wouldn't that be just awesome just to do that? And then on Saturday, everybody can go crazy and just go berserk and just shop their, themselves to death. But no, it happens to happen you know, early and early and earlier. And before long, it's going to be Black Tuesday, and it's just going to mow over Thanksgiving. But the best news of all is what we all wake up to on Friday. And it's like, where did the first craziness happen? And this year it was out in California, Lady got in there. She wanted to get an Xbox, apparently, for her family. There was a big rush of people. She wasn't in the the head of the line. Looked like they might run out. So what did she do? She pulls the pepper spray out and just sprays a couple of people. (laughs) Pandemonium breaks out. She grabs the Xbox and says, Merry Christmas, everyone. I've got one for my family. And you're thinking what I was thinking. Who's going to do that? And, and then you think maybe this, this Black Friday thing is not the best idea, but then you start realizing that maybe life isn't the best idea, and I think Black Friday is maybe a microcosm. I think the Christmas season has become a microcosm of a life that's gone crazy where we forget that Christ came and he's coming again, and in between, there's this sense of hope and expectation in something far greater than what this world wants to tell us that life is all about. And this morning, I I know the reality is that in this season of Advent, everybody here is waiting. It is possible maybe there's somebody here today that's not waiting on something and I've really been praying for you because I've been praying about this message for a couple of weeks now, and I've been trying to figure out how to come around and encourage people like me and like those of you who are waiting. And I kept thinking about, well, there's got to be somebody who's going to sit there all morning and go, you know, I'm really not waiting for anything. I got a, a good job, and I like the car I drive, and my family's doing pretty good, and there's no big bumps in the road right now, and not really any big sense of urgency in our lives. There's not anything driving me to my knees day after day. I'm not really fasting right now because there's not anything. I really need from God that would really require me to do anything that extravagant, and I thought to myself, maybe that's another talk for another day, but I really pray today for anybody here, the end of this talk, you're going to say, I can't relate to that because I'm not really waiting for anything really with that sense of expectation. It must mean that somehow we've sort of become absorbed by ourselves, and we've become fooled by the world. We've sort of gotten sucked into a little me bubble that's caused us not even to look around us enough to know that there are miracles that need to happen around us and in us that drive us to a place of saying, dear God, I'm waiting in hope on you. I think for most people today, that rings true, doesn't it? I mean, there there are people waiting for all kinds of things. And we may not want to broadcast that. We may not want to speak that out because we live in a culture where we're always protecting ourselves and guarding the way that we really feel because we don't want to get let down or we don't want to let other people get too close to us. But the truth be known, there's a lot of waiting going on in the house today. Some of the kids that are here today are waiting on their parents to work it out. And they've been waiting, day after day. Some days the hopes rise, and they're thinking this is going to work. And then other days they're dashed again, and they're thinking this is not going to work. But you know, kids are resilient, and kids don't see the world the way adults do. And adults have the adult kid conversation, which is, you know, honey, when you grow up, you'll understand that sometimes things just don't work out. When you grow up, you'll understand this. When you grow up, you'll understand this. When you grow up, and the kids are like, yeah, I'm just a kid, and what I understand is, is why can't you just love? each other. And their kids in the house today and they're like waiting. They're still waiting. You're thinking they've probably given up on that. Hopefully they realize that's not going to happen. They're probably thinking by now that he's not coming back. They're probably figuring out by now that this is not going to work out. I got news for you today. They're still waiting. They are still waiting right here and right now for what they perceive to be a miracle, a God-sized supernatural event that something could be put back together that looks irrevocably and irreversibly broken. And they're waiting. There are people waiting for a job here today. You know, I made light of it with the decorating thing and I wasn't trying to in any way make light of the reality that there are people here waiting for the phone to ring, waiting for an email to come, waiting for some door to open for them that things would change. There are people waiting for all, I mean, you just go on and on. There are people waiting for a husband and waiting for a wife. I mean, for real. We don't say that in our culture because it makes us look desperate and nobody wants to marry somebody who's desperate. So you can't say, man, I'm really waiting for the person God has for me. I'm praying 2012 is going to be the year that the person God has for me arrives on the scene. Because when you say that in our culture, you become desperate and people go, oh, stay away from that person. They're, they're not dating to have a good time. They're dating to find a mate, man. And it's serious. And if you don't want to be serious, don't go that way. What's wrong with saying I? I'm waiting on God to bring the greatest person alive on planet Earth into my world because what I want more than anything else is to walk with Christ, with somebody, in life together. And I'm waiting that this is going to be the time that God's going to bring the woman or the man that he's got in his heart and his dreams for me. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm expecting and believing God. Anybody, show of hands, just wanted to say yes to that. I'm waiting for a husband or a wife. Anybody, a few people here? Thank you so much. I was hoping a lot of hands would go up and people would just look around. I mean, that would be, <clears throat> that's what I was kind of hoping was going to happen, is he would just hold them up and people were like, all right, cool. Oh, okay, awesome. Yeah, see. And then afterwards, it's not going to be, we've got folks to pray with you under the screens. It's just going to be, good luck, you know, go for it. <laughs> You've seen the hands and you know the possibilities. I mean, there's somebody here today you're waiting for your wife to come back and it's just heart-wrenching wait. Some of you are waiting for a son to come home, come back to the Lord, to come back to faith, and it's just it's everything you've got. You know, just to hang in that moment and wait. Now, some of you are waiting for a baby. Some of you are waiting for the rehab to work. Some of you are waiting for a release from something that's just dogged you for day after day and month after month and year after year, and you're waiting, and I'm just telling you that this is Christmas season. This is what it's about. It's about waiting. It's about 400 years of silence being broken by the cry of a baby. It's about... Thousands of years of promise being fulfilled in the gift of Jesus Christ. It's about prophecy and generations and expectation and hope that a Messiah is going to come and he came. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about God fulfilling his promise in the most crazy backwards way because grace is always like that. It's about an unwed mother in a cave at midnight out of town under a cloud of scandal giving birth to the son of the living God. And it's about God breaking in to the average, mundane, run-of-the-mill life and saying, Don't stop hoping because God comes through. The Gospel Luke opens up with the most interesting story. You think, well, Luke is the Gospel that opens up with the birth of Jesus, and that's how Luke's Gospel unfolds. You know, the Gospel of John has a far more global and a universal view of the creation and who Jesus is. And in the, in the span of that, uh, Matthew opens uh, with his own take on things. Mark just gets right to the point, starts telling about the life. But people think Luke is the Gospel that opens with the story of the birth of Jesus. And actually, that's almost true. It actually opens with the story of the birth of someone else. And in the midst of it, there's an incredible waiting story going on. I want to dig in it. I want to make a couple of applications. And then I just want to give us time for the Holy Spirit to encourage every person here today in how we can walk this out. Looking in verse 5, Luke chapter 1. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, Uh, And you're already like, man, this is why I don't read the Bible. (laughs) I'm like, that's exactly what kind of gets me confused about this whole thing. Well, hang in there. We'll dig around a little bit and see what that's all about, why that's important. Why would Luke want to mention that, you know? His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. And so we're opening a story with Zach and Beth. Maybe that helps better for you. And um, Zach and Beth are a couple, and they're in the ministry, okay? So he, he is from... The priestly line that goes all the way back to the beginning of time. And God gave specific directions to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. So when they're roaming through the wilderness, there was a place of worship, a place to meet with God. They packed it up and took it with them, set it back up, packed it down, took it with them, set it back up. Day after day, time after time. And then its specifications were were quite detailed by God. Had a high wall around it and only one way in. When you came in the one way, there was a certain journey that you would take to an inner tent. And the inner tent had a, a, a place of meeting or a tent of meeting. And then in the back of that place was the Holy of Holies. You've heard of that, right? And that's where the tabernacle was. That's where the mercy seat was. That's where the, the Ark of the Covenant was. And only once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest of all of Israel could go into the Holy of Holies to make a sacrifice for the people of God. But the priest could go into the tent of meeting, and they could go in and offer sacrifice and and offer various forms of worship to God. And as this tent was described, and as it was put in place, a decree that there would be certain priestly lines who would work in the temple. And in those lines, one of them was the guy that we mentioned right here named Abijah. And he was one of... 24 lots of priests who would minister to God on a rotation system in the temple. And so historically, that's kind of where we're coming from. Aaron, uh, also, you know, the head of this priestly division. So Beth comes down. Elizabeth comes down. She's a descendant of Aaron. Zechariah comes from this Abijah and from his line of those who served in the temple. So, you know, just to put it in real terms, you got a couple, Beth and, and Zach. And they're, they're both in the ministry. And they both have ties to ministry. And they're both doing their thing. And so the story unfolds with that. Verse 6. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. So these people were faithful to the ways of God. They had this great family heritage, but they they chose by themselves to be faithful to God's plan, to his path and to his ways. And then verse 7, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. So once again, this kind of breaks up the mold, doesn't it? If your family is the right family, if you've come from the priestly line, if you really are blameless in your walk and you love God, then everything in life will work out. Well, it wasn't working out for these guys, even though they had the right family line. They were following God with all their heart, serving God with all their heart, but they still had this huge dilemma right in the midst of their lives. And so verse 8, the story unfolds. Once when Zechariah's division... Was on duty and he was serving as priest before God. Now, there were 24 of these priestly divisions who were chosen in a certain order to do their work at the temple. So, one guy didn't have to be at the temple every day the whole year. And so, Uh, The division that Zechariah belonged to was the eighth of the 24 divisions, and it became his time to go to the temple. Now, we're not talking about Moses and the tabernacle. We're coming full circle now to the temple built in Jerusalem and being rebuilt in Jerusalem after Babylon and all of that craziness happened. And so the temple's been rebuilt. It's still built with the specifications of the tabernacle before. Now it's time for Zachariah, for his group to go and to minister in the temple. It's an eight-day service, Sabbath to Sabbath, and there he is going up to minister in the temple. Verse 9, "...he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense." And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying... Outside. So, one last little piece of this. In the Tent of Meeting, this place that's the, uh, kind of a holy place, just before the Holy of Holies, there were several things inside of there. One of them was an altar of incense. It was about uh, yea tall and square. It had a horn on each of the four corners. It was made of, of wood overlaid by gold. And on it, the priests would come in the morning and in the evening and they would burn incense. Just outside the veil, just outside the Holy of Holies. The incense being a picture of, of the communion of man with God, that this temple and this altar and this sacrifice makes it possible for God to have a relationship with people. Now we got tabernacle, we've got Moses, we got Old Testament, we got divisions, we got the priest, and we got the altar of incense. Don't lose that. That's the place where oftentimes we go off the track and say, oh man, it's the Old Testament, it's all this stuff, who cares, who cares? Look, God went to very specific detail and to a lot of trouble to design exactly how he wanted this temple to work for a reason. And it still matters to us, even though Christ has come and blown the whole thing up, it all still matters to us. And here's this altar of incense, imagine it. And it's outside this veil that separates you and me and everybody else on the planet from the holy presence of God. Inside that holy of holies, an offering happens once a year to cover the sins of the people and to to provide mercy from God for one more year. And outside of that curtain burns this offering of incense. This fragrance is going up. Interestingly, the three elements that made the incense were mixed together with frankincense. Now that's kind of interesting, isn't it? A little twist in the story there, that that just happened to be one of the things that the Magi brought to the baby Jesus, was one of the things burning for century after century after century outside the veil of the Holy of Holies. And so when it came Zachariah's turn, he got assigned by Lot, you're going to do the altar of incense. And so in the morning, he would go in and prepare the incense, put it on the fire, and it would begin to go up into the presence of God, come back at twilight again, take care of the altar of incense. And so that was his role. Eight-day stint. Here goes Zachariah. So he's inside with the burning incense, and all the other worshipers are outside knowing he's inside, and there's something about him being in there offering up this incense on their behalf, even though they can't go in there, that's really making this whole thing work. And then verse 11, here's where the story takes an interesting turn. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now, I don't want to dig down in all this, and I don't, again, want to get too bogged down in the details, but come on, the angel was standing at the right side of the altar of incense. He could have been standing in front of it, behind it, at the left of it. He's an angel. He could have hovered above it. He could have done anything he wanted to do, but he was standing at the right side of it. I mean, it's just awesome how God connects all the details of redemption in his story. So he's standing on the right side, verse 12. When Zachariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. And I just want you to grab onto that. He didn't go, oh, wow, look at that. Man, I've been coming in here all this time. I've been serving my duty. Whoa, who are you? Where'd you come from? This is impressive. No, he freaked out when the angel came and stood next to the altar of incense. It was like... Oh wow and then he thought I'm going I'm going under right here this is going to be it right here this is the last day I'm doing anything and you know that was there was a lot of fear and trepidation with even going in this tent of meeting even going in to this holy place even going into the outer courts and much less going into the into the tent of meeting, and then into the Holy of Holies, people, you know, often thought this could get crazy. Sometimes, you know, I mean, it was so crazy that when the high priest would go in, they put a rope around him in case he didn't come out, in case he fell dead in the presence of God, they could drag him out, and nobody have to go in there. I think is going, I should have had a rope, because I'm going down right here. I don't have a rope, and I'm going down right here, and Elizabeth's not going to know what happened. Nobody's coming in here to get me. This is going to be not good, and so the, the angel comes, he's gripped with fear, but the angel said to him, what angels always say to people when they arrive on planet earth, do not be afraid. <clears throat> now, to that, you and I would respond, you know, why not? I mean, who, who knows what this angel looked like? You're like, well, I know what he looked like. I've seen that painting. In fact, we went over to Florence and saw it in the Uffizi Gallery. It's really beautiful, and they're sitting there, and they're kind of looking, and they're smiling, and their, their little <laughs> cheeks are real rosy, and They're so cute. No, that was not the angel that came and stood next to the altar of incense. Do not be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. Oh, my word. I mean, couldn't you send an email or, you know, (laughs) couldn't you have met me outside in the courtyard? You had to wait till I got in here where I'm already, like, my heart's pounding in my chest because the Holy of Holies is right behind that veil. I'm on duty. It's the eighth division of the 24. I got the lot of the altar of incense. I'm in here kind of with the little thing. I'm not in here going, oh, I got to get this done because I got to go meet some people. No, I'm in here mixing the stuff, and I'm putting it on the coals, and I'm standing here for all the people. I'm the only guy standing in here for the whole nation of Israel today. I'm chosen by lot to be the person who offers up a fragrance for all the people to God. And Zachariah is in there, and he's like, oh, have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me. He's mixing that incense. Have mercy on me, God. Just behind that veil is the Holy of Holies. If I were to even touch that veil and peek my hand behind it, I would die on the spot right here, right now. And an angel shows up. And he's like, ah. He says, don't be afraid. Your prayer has been heard. That's a pretty bold presentation right there. That's not PowerPoint. That's first slide. I mean, what a presentation. That's God Almighty saying it's time. These guys have been waiting. They've been waiting. They've been hoping. They've been faithful. They've been trusting. And it's time. And here's the way this is going to go down. Gabriel, you're going. And you're going right now. Right now. He's in, the, he's in, the, in, a, in a holy place right now. He, he's by the altar of incense right now. It'll, it'll scare him to death if I show up right now. Go right now. Right now is the moment. Show up. Take the message. Tell him. Boom. Gabriel. Right out of the presence of God. Right into the presence of Zachariah. That's why he was scared to death. He still had the residue, Gabriel did, of the presence of God on him. He still smelled like God. You could sniff around on him and go, oh my goodness, you just came from the throne of the living God, straight from there to here. It wasn't like he got on a plane and went through Hong Kong, connecting through Singapore, came through South Africa, and then showed up. No, he instantaneously went from the presence of the living God into the presence of Zechariah, And he said, I got good news for you, man. Don't freak out, by the way. Your Prayer has been heard. Zachariah's like, whoa, I have no idea what is happening. Your wife, Elizabeth, just so that you know I'm, I'm at the right place. <laughs> if he said, now, Janet, no, that's not me. You're wrong, wrong, Zachariah, you know. <laughs> Elizabeth will bear you a son, not just a child. Child would have been off the charts. Son, favor of God. For these guys, favor of God. She is going to bear you a son, and you're to give him the name John. That just simplified everything, didn't it? So we don't have to read the books, we don't have to go online, we don't have to talk. It's just, boom, bam, right there. Thank you very much. That's going to clarify that whole process, So A, it's a boy. Paint the room blue. B, his name is John. You can go right ahead and monogram stuff if you want to. (laughs) He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. Please remember a footnote from our last series. When God breaks into your world with a miracle, he's always thinking about somebody else besides you. That's how you know God has broken in with the miracle. Because it's not just to be contained in your thinking, but it's for the benefit of the whole world. He said the whole world, or many, are going to rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or fermented a drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. I love that, too, because you read through Scripture, and it's not always cut and dried how the Holy Spirit comes, and especially before Christ had given his life and been raised from the dead. The Holy Spirit was not confined, by the way, to any kind of thinking. So don't get in your head, you know, it's A, B, C, how it works. Look, the Holy Spirit said, in this case, hey, Jesus hasn't even come yet. The cross hasn't happened yet. There hasn't been a resurrection. There hasn't been a Pentecost. There hasn't been tongues of fire. There haven't been people speaking out with the power of God yet, but the holy spirit's still going to be involved in this one he's going to come on your son from the very beginning and he's going to be filled with the power of the holy spirit at birth you're like well that's not even theologically correct oh it was theologically correct all right because god was wor- working and god was moving and god had a plan many of the people of israel will he bring back to the lord their god And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. When he said that, Zachariah's like, oh my goodness, Elijah, are you kidding me? Elijah is like a legend. He's like legendary power in the family of faith. He's like one of the heroes of faith. And he said, yeah, your son John, he's going to be like Elijah. He's going to have that kind of power on his life. Wow, he's just standing there, probably just blown away at this point. And he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Hey, don't be afraid. Your prayer's been heard. Elizabeth's going to have a little boy named John, and he is going to prepare the way for the Son of God. Man, you, you know, put yourself back in, and get, get out of the Scripture and get out of, I know how this turns out, and get back into the mind of a couple Who'd been waiting, it seemed like forever. I mean, just, it's not going to happen. Just get used to it. It ain't going to happen. And the angel said, Oh, yeah, it's going to happen all right. And it's going to happen on a factor of about a billion more than you were hoping for. Merry Christmas. Well, Zechariah, verse 18, this is where the story gets weird, and I'll just get down to the end of it, because I want to make some applications. Zechariah asked the angel, apparently, you know, I wish that I could get all the way down and underneath this, and it's original what he's saying here, because the way this next verse went was not good. You're thinking, everything's going great up to this point, but when it got to this next verse, it didn't go great. The angel did not like what happened right after this, and the way we get it in English, I don't think really conveys the fullness of what the angel got when Zechariah spoke back to him. He says, uh, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Now, that's a guy who's been married a long time, by the way, just for a little footnote if you're kind of dozing off because of the story here. Um, He said, I'm an old man. My wife is well along in years. That's a good way of putting it, right? Because you can say you're old, but you're not going to say she's old. That's not going to work. So he he at least got that part right. I think what Zechariah said if we could get down under the original language here was I don't believe that can happen like really and, and to me, I, I I got all the grace in the world for him. The guy's shaking in his boots. I mean, he's in his sandals. I mean, he's just standing there like ah. he hadn't gotten over the fact that an angel just showed up. He's in the holy place. He's just an inch away from the presence of God and, and certain death, where you even step in there. And now the angel starts saying this and, this and this and this and this and this, and he's like, are you, are you, "Really?" For real? I mean, me, you got me, right? Zachariah, Elizabeth, you got, you got the right people. It sounds like you got the right people, but how's that going to happen? Look at me. I'm old and she's older as well. So how's that going to happen? And the angel says to Zachariah, he said, I am Gabriel. Don't you love that answer? I'm sorry, did I not introduce myself? Pardon me, could you not read the name tag? I'm, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I'm sorry, I should have backed up a step or two. I was so excited to tell you your prayer had been heard that I just want to get right to the point. I'm sorry, when I came blowing through the curtain and through the tent and there wasn't a door and I just appeared and I smelled like the throne of God and I got glory shining off of me, I thought you knew I was Gabriel and I just came from God Almighty. I'm sorry, let me back up. I'm Gabriel. You've heard of me, right? I'm going to blow the horn at the end of the day. That's my job. I'm going to be the last horn blower before this whole thing flips upside down. And when I blow the horn, Jesus is going to appear. I'm Gabriel. I'm that guy. I am the head of the angel army. <laughs> I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God that's my job that's what I do you burning incense, that's cool, and I love it I stand in the presence of God <laughs> oh, you own, own your own small business, that's fantastic, I love that <laughs> I stand in the presence of God, oh you're a mom of three kids, oh, wonderful, I love that I stand in the presence of God I'm in insurance, oh, I love it I stand in the presence of God Banking, stay in the presence of God. Education. I stay in the presence of God. I run a daycare. I, awesome. I stand in the presence of God. What do you do? I stand in the presence of God. So what's your, what, what's your I stay in the presence of God. That's all I've ever done. That's all I've ever known. I didn't go to school. I don't have a degree. I don't have a diploma. I stay in the presence of God. I'm Gabriel. And I stand in the presence of God. And I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Come on. If you peel it all back, Christmas is this simple. It is about the sky parting and about angels appearing, two shepherds, and about heavenly chorus singing glory to God in the highest, And by the way, this is going to be awesome for you too. Peace among men. Christ has arrived tonight. Christ has come. Your prayer has been heard. And Jesus has come. That's how simple Christmas is. And what, what we can't afford to do today is to, A, miss it. We can't be so busy that when the invitation comes to the party that we miss it. I can't come. I got this to do. I'm too preoccupied. I didn't even know there was a party. We can't afford to do that. And when, the, when that message comes, we can't afford to say, oh, really? Like, h- how would I know? I'll tell you how you would know, because I'm an angel. I just showed up to shepherds and a choir sang, and the the heavens opened up, and Christ has come, and history has borne that out for you. Verse 20, he said, And now you'll be silent and not able to speak until this day happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the proper time. Verse 21, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, And wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized he'd seen a vision in the temple. For he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he's shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Imagine coming in out out of the temple and you're Zachariah and, and you, all of history was leaning to this moment. You're going to be at the altar of incense on this day when the 8th division, of the 24 is there. It's going to be your lot. You're going in and when you get there, the angel's coming and this whole thing y'all been waiting for, it's going to turn around. Today is the day and that was what all of history sent you towards and when you came out, you couldn't even tell anybody. You came out and people were like, oh my goodness, something happened to him. I think something happened to a lot of people that went in there. I think it was not uncommon for a priest to come out and people would go, oh wow. I don't think it was unusual like Moses coming down off Mount Sinai for these priests to come out and something about them to be completely other because of the presence of God. And I think when they saw him come out, they said, oh man, something happened in there. What happened in there? And he's like... and tell them Elizabeth has a child and on the eighth day when they took that child to be circumcised and officially time to give that child a name everybody thought we'll just name it Zachariah Jr. because that's what you do and uh, Elizabeth said no he's going to be called John and they're like ooh Zachariah's not going to go for that (laughs) That ain't going to work Zachariah what do you think and he's like said oh paper yeah he writes on it his name is not will be John and when he turned the paper around his voice opened and the words started coming he said oh my oh hello I'm talking now all right cool I was in the thing I went in the temple and when I went in there (laughs) I was burning the incense And I had it going pretty good. And then, boom, bow, this angel appears in there. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I thought I was going under right there. I mean, I thought this was it for me. And and he started saying me, he said, hey, don't don't be afraid. Your prayer's been heard. Your wife's going to bear you a son. You're going to call him John. Therefore, that's what his name is, John, because that's what the angel said. His name is Gabriel. And he was like, he stands in the presence of God, came down to tell me a message from God for our lives. Whoa, God had heard our prayer for all these years. Decades had gone by, night after night after night after night after night after night, day after day after day after day, waiting, 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 waiting. And the whole time God heard all our prayers. God was working out a plan. God had something in mind bigger than even Elizabeth and me. He said, this kid, this kid is going to change the world. This kid, Elijah is going to be in this kid. This kid is going to run and turn the hearts of the people back to their God. He's going to prepare the way for Jesus. His name is John. He's John He's going to prepare the way for the living God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for your favor, God. And the people were like, ah, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot, bro. That's a lot to put on a little birth announcement, man. That's a whole, usually we just do like a footprint or something. And, you know, that's a lot of information. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I wish I could have told you sooner. But when he told me, I didn't believe him. And when I didn't believe him, he sealed my mouth. And for all these months, I couldn't tell the world what God was gonna do ah, just just stop in there before we get to Jesus <laughs> and just it's this simple this morning everybody's waiting I know but the message in the waiting because I, I can't stand here today and go um, your, your marriage is gonna work out today I, I, I don't know how God is working I, I can't say you, your husband, he's going to be at lunch. Pay attention. I, I don't know how God is working. But I know that he is working. And there's going to be a day come when he says to you, your prayer has been heard. And you got to, we have got to embrace the possibility of that Today. A.W. Tozer, who I love and have read for a long time, he said, if God has done it any time, he can do it now. If he's done it anywhere, he can do it here. And if God's ever done it for anybody, he can do it for you. And we've got to embrace. That's what Christmas is all about. You're like, how do I know God? Because Jesus Christ has broken into the world It's the promise of God, born to give his life up for you because you were loved by God. And it's possible. Anything is possible. And in the waiting, two, two questions who's waiting with you? And that's where the power is today. Because if the people waiting with you were just like you, and there's skeptics waiting with you, I imagine all the people waiting with Zachariah and Elizabeth, and I imagine a bunch of them had just flaked out on them. Well, I guess this whole serving God in the temple thing just wasn't working out, was it? I don't know why you all stay so faithful. I don't know why you just keep trusting God year after year after year. Obviously, this isn't going to happen. And somehow they were able to tune those people out and stay on a path of faithfulness to God. And whatever you're waiting for today, here's the news of Christmas. Christ is waiting with you. And it may not be all perfect right now. I, you know, we, we, Christmas is not going to come, Christmas Eve service here, and we're just going to tie a bow on everything. It's going to be wonderful. And we're going to raise our candles and go, everything in life is resolved. Today, it's amazing, on, on the 24th of December, 7 o'clock, all the problems resolved. They're not all going to resolve like that. And we have to be honest about that. And we don't know how the timing is working, but we do know that God is working. While we wait, God works. And we know that God is waiting with us. If you're waiting on your son to come home, I just want to encourage you that Christ is waiting with you. And in the waiting, I just want you to know tonight you're loved. Can, can I just go back for one second to uh, the division of Abijah? Because I, I, you know, I don't read over that and go, he's from the division of Abijah. What does that mean? How, you know, who cares about that? Let's get on to the good part. I'm like who is Abijah? They go dig around a little bit come to find out Abijah this name means my father is Yahweh. So Zechariah's heritage was from a line of people whose name meant my dad is I am that I am. And that's how you wait. You wait as a son named Abijah. I'm in a line of faith. And my father, my father is I am that I am. And I'm waiting with God. Not just waiting on God. You're not waiting alone. You're not the only one weeping. You're not the only one hoping. You're not the only one standing in the gap. Christ is waiting with you. If you're waiting for a husband, I, I just want to encourage you. You're not waiting by yourself. You're like, I know my parents ask me every time I talk to them. <laughs> so have you found anybody? Have you seen anybody? You seen anybody? Well, I had it. And you're like, ah! <clears throat> no, you're not waiting For that husband alone, you're waiting with Christ. You are not just some single girl, single woman who hasn't been chosen yet. You are loved by God, and he is standing right with you in Christ, with his arms around you, loved by Christ. He's embracing you right now. He's saying, this is my daughter. This is my friend. This is a person that I created, and I love, and I am here with her, and we're waiting on the world to change. Yes, we are, but we are waiting together. There's such a different message when that happens. It opens up confidence. It opens up a sense of there's hope. I believe God's going to work. I, I know all the odds may be stacked against me, but I believe God's going to work. I'm not going to say, well, how's that going to happen? Because wada, wada, wada. I'm going to say, you know what? I believe in God. Why? Christmas. Christ has come. Emmanuel. God is with us. Miracles happen. I believe in God. And no one's going to extinguish that this year. They couldn't extinguish it last year. They're not going to extinguish it this year. I might have to wait for another year. I might have to wait 10 years, but I'm waiting with the Son of God, and that ain't all bad to be hanging around with the son of the living God. I'm waiting with him. I'm waiting with him. Therefore, I'm not walking around going, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the world's like, wow, I'd like to come to your church. That, that sounds incredible. How, how, do you, how do you get in on that kind of joy? No, the message is, no, I don't have a husband yet. But I've heard from an angel. And he said, glory to God in the highest, people. Is this on? Glory to God, people. Glory to God, people. Christ has come to earth. For you. Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us. So the, the prize of prizes, not going to be the husband. The prize of prizes is going to be. Wow, what an awesome husband. I never stopped believing in you because of Christmas, but I'd like to introduce you to Jesus. (laughs) He's been, for me, everything you could never be. And I hope that I'll be to you a way better wife because I've been waiting with him the whole time for you. I didn't think you were him because I already had him. So with him, I've been waiting for you, knowing that you'd never be him to me, but you'd be you, and I've been looking for you, and so (laughs) I'm so glad you have come to us. (laughs) And that's what weddings are, right? That's why you don't go down to the courthouse, unless that's what you did, and that's fine. But that's why why you don't do that. You know, sometimes you just have to hurry. But that's why, that's why, that's why it's called worship and a wedding. Because it's you and Christ and him and Christ coming together to be you and him and Christ. And if it ain't that, it ain't what God planned. I've been waiting. And that's how you Wait. You wait with him. And just lastly, um, maybe the the flip of it is not just focusing on what you're waiting on, but realizing somebody's waiting on you. And my heart almost, I just have to not break down to say this, because my heart's so full of it, just thinking about it. But some of you are the spouse that your kids are hoping and you're here and you've sort of pieced some things back together but how about a miracle how about you lay aside your pride some of you can't go back you've you've remarried and and you know what there's grace for that this church is full of grace this church is full of people me included who are totally dependent on the grace of God today and so if, if that was your story and Maybe your kids still hoping for that. They don't understand. No, I've I've remarried someone and that's kind of the way it is right now. And there's grace for that. But if that hasn't happened and and there is a possibility of a miracle, why not hope for that? Why not believe that? Why not be that person today? Why not step up today and go, you know what? I I was all concerned about what I'm waiting for. I'd like a better job, or I'd like maybe it's it's waking up today to going, I'm the one they're waiting for. I need to get up from this morning. I need to get up out of this gathering at Passion City Church. And I need to start cobbling a path back to piecing my life back together, accepting that things can change, that I can change, that I didn't necessarily wasn't right about everything and going back to my kids and saying, you know what, I know for seven years now you've been hoping dad would change his mind and guess what, God showed up with an angel today and spoke to me and said that my prayer has been heard and that your prayer had been heard and I'm going to believe God to do something as powerful as putting the son of God in a manger. And I'm going to ask God to put our family back together again. Some of you are the kids and your parents are waiting for you and you're like, you you—you sort of jumped over that one step because it did all go wrong, but then you sort of got back on the right track, and you're sort of walking with God now, but you never reconciled with them, and you're not planning on it. And maybe, maybe today it's to go, you know what, somebody's waiting on me. I, I'm the one they're hoping for, and I'm going to get up out of this place today, and I'm going to start cobbling a pathway back to say, you know, I know a lot of wrong happened, but I met Jesus And a lot of right happened when I met him and a lot of grace poured into my life. And I just want to tell you, to the degree that I can, I'd like to make things right with you. Brother or sister, who knows? Haiti, I I love that. You know, this is not our little Christmas giving emphasis. We're a container full of rubble out there. A bunch of it we stuffed in our suitcases. I don't even know if that's legal and brought home from Port-au-Prince. Because there are people who can't build house, without physically hammering apart a pile of concrete as high as this ceiling and carrying it off box load by box load. But one piece of heavy equipment that is put there by people who know how to operate it can tear their house down and put it in a dump truck and clean the slab off before dinner time in a day. And we walked away from there and I said, you know what, Haiti's complicated, and you can't do everything in Haiti that you want to do, but you can certainly clear a pile of rocks off somebody's slab so they can start building their house again. You're like, well, why don't they tear it all down and move it themselves? Because they're trying to work every day. They're going to school every day. They're, they're trying to make a life every day. They don't have three months to stop and to smash their house apart with a hammer. Because we can That's the only reason I need Because we can We can put the money in place To put another team There are a few teams there But not as many as you would think You'd think there'd be a hundred teams I saw two And we said we're going to put another one in place And that's what Haiti Rising is all about You know why? Because there are people waiting And they're waiting on me They're waiting on me Mister, I have enough To say out out of the goodness of the heart of God We want to come to your aid and there are people waiting all over the world for you and me right now